Welcome to MedTech Talk, a weekly sit-down with the innovators, investors, and executives leading the MedTech sector. Now, here's your host, Tom Salemi. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedTech Talk podcast. I am your host, Tom Salemi. Thank you for joining us today. We're traveling a, a bit away for today's interview. We're going to be speaking with Jason Letman, who is a partner at Lightstone Ventures. Uh, Jason grew up in Minnesota, uh, relocated like many VCs do to California, uh, worked with Morgan Thaler and then Lightstone. And upon the closing of Lightstone's debut fund, uh, Jason moved across the Atlantic, set up shop in Ireland, where Lightstone is doing some med tech investing. I actually last saw Jason in uh, Dublin when I was there for a conference last year. Uh, so he is uh, still there. Uh, setting up uh, a home with his young family, at least a, a temporary home, and finding uh, great opportunities in medtech uh, in Ireland. It's clearly uh, an area of interest for large medtech companies and for VCs as well, particularly those who are feeling a bit uh, put off by the uh, med device tax and other uh, disincentives for creating medtech startups in the U.S., so let's have a visit with uh, Jason Letman from Lightstone. Jason Letman, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thanks for having me, Tom. Appreciate it. Good to be here. I think you may be our first uh, international uh, podcast for uh, MedTech Talk. You are uh, you're in Ireland. I was going to say you're in Dublin, but I don't know if where your offices are or where you're living exactly. But uh, how did a, a fellow from... Uh, from Minnesota, who who escaped to Southern to California, not Southern California, completely different. Find his way uh, over to Ireland. I was trying to to find weather almost as bad as, as Minnesota, <laughs> um, but but ser the serious answer is, you know, I think of as as we've evolved our strategy and uh, as part of uh, Lightstone, you know, we've become I think more international in a lot of ways, and and so expanding. Uh, into Europe and, and into um, Ireland specifically made, made, made a lot of sense um, for, for a number of reasons. And, you know, we, I moved over in, uh, in July and, and things have been uh, going great so far. And how has the move gone now? You've got a, a young family there, right? So they, are they enjoying the adventure? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have, a, I have two girls, four and six, and they're both... Uh, they, they've they've almost lost their California accents entirely at this point, so they're they're uh, they're enjoying it. It's been a fun adventure for them. So um, it's it's actually you know it's a great place to raise a family here. So it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. That's terrific. I've, I've been to Dublin twice and, and loved it both times. Reminds me a lot of Boston. So uh, what are the we have our uh, at our our MedTech Investing Conference uh, in May uh, we had some discussions about the pressures on medtech in, in the U.S. And there's a, there's a feeling, a general feeling, that every other country in the world uh, embraces medtech, does what it can to sort of encourage it. And uh, as Hanson Gifford made the point, you know, in the U.S., we get a tax. You know, we, we don't get the encouragement or the financial breaks. We, uh, we get put upon by more, uh, more financial obligations. What is it like on the other side of the fence? How 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 green is the grass uh, that you're seeing uh, in Ireland and in Europe? Yeah, I think you know, I I, I think a lot of that is, is is still true. Unfortunately, I do think even despite 
some of the economic pressures in Europe more broadly, it's been a relatively strong um, uh, place for early stage med tech in particular. And I think within the U.S., um, you know, I, I do think there are um, encouraging signs in devices, um, particularly for late stage companies. You know, we've seen a, a decent IPO window. We've seen a relatively strong M&A environment over the last six months. And, and I think there's there's reasons to be hopeful at the FDA and within the reimbursement landscape as well. Um, but I think early stage has been a different story. I, I think raising money for big new ideas and devices is a real challenge. Um, and frankly, I think it's easier right now to raise money um, for a Series A in, in Europe than it is um, in, in, in the U.S. And, and I think in some ways, uh, Ireland in particular, um, you know, has been leading uh, the charge on that. There's a, a ton of early stage activity here. There's a number of seed funds and a pretty strong angel network um, in Ireland that is uh, trying to really capitalize on, on some of the natural strengths that Ireland has in terms of the ability to um, you know, develop and, and, and discover and, and um, create new devices. They have a very strong R&D talent pool here. Um, and, and so the, and, and I think they're um, relatively tied into the, the strategics and multinationals. As, as so many of them have a presence here that, um, you know, they've been, they've been successful starting and funding early stage companies in a way that I think is, is different than the U.S., and are you, as a as a representative of a U.S. VC, are you able to plug into that uh, that network uh, in that environment right away, or, or is there a challenge, sort of being a, a, an outsider moving into that space? No, I think it's been, um, you know, I think like like any new um, environment, it takes time to, to develop the relationships and the and, and trust, and I think that's 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 a process. But uh, you know, the local community has been very welcoming. I think they've seen a number of U.S. groups uh, like Lightstone come over uh, and, and set up offices. Um, you know, Polaris, DFJ, uh, Arch. Um, you know, there's a number of, of strong U.S. groups that, um, that that now have operations here that are, you know, alongside and, and, and looking to syndicate with uh, the, the local groups such as Fountain and Soroba Kernel. Uh, Delta, ACT, and others that are that are actively, um, you know, funding uh, uh, device companies, and so I think that's been a good fit. I mean, I I, I think the goal, um, uh, you know, for many here is to try to bring um, some some U.S. funds over that can hopefully help lead and build larger syndicates. As as we know, um, developing device companies is not getting any cheaper these days, so we're seeing more and more of uh, you know, cross, um, you know, cross-border syndicates, if you will, um, these days. I've been over there twice again for, for two med tech conferences and, and have both times have walked away feeling really energized uh, by the uh, support for med tech there. But you also wonder if, if it's, uh, if it's more, um, more sizzle than steak, if it's going to, if it has a, a sustainability to it. Hearing you talk, hearing of the other VC firms sort of setting up shop there, I get the sense that that this is something that is definitely taking root. Yeah, I, I think so, and I, you know, I think it's a, 
there is a lot of enthusiasm and excitement here, and and um, I think there's there's very strong you know new company creation here, which is is always one of the more exciting things to see and be a part of. Um, and I think you know it, there's there's reasons to be optimistic. I think time will certainly tell. We're in this for the the long run. Um, you know if we're gonna take the time and effort to, to set up an office here and invest here, uh, particularly in early stage uh, companies, we, we need to be in it and for the long haul. I mean, these are 10 year plus um, efforts. And so you need to be, um, you, you know, you need to be willing to be patient and, and focused. And I do think there's, um, you know, we're off to a good start and, and, you know, time will tell how sustainable it is, but I really do believe that um, there's something here that, that, that can be sustained and, and should be. Now, for the sake of candor, I mean, one of the things that brought you over there was is, is, uh, one of the investors in your new fund uh, is, is uh, an Ireland, Irish entity, and uh, they did want to have a, a presence in, uh, in Ireland. Can you talk first about the fund? Tell us a little bit about uh, the size and the, and the focus, and, uh, and then uh, share, you know, what... What your experience, what what the relocation has been like, what setting up has the, has has been like, and um, sort of what uh, what benefits are you seeing being in Ireland? Are you finding deals that perhaps you have missed before? Are you be able to to make connections that you're going to be able to leverage to help your U.S. base uh, U.S. based companies as well? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the, the fund we closed uh, last April, so a little over a year, it was a $172 million fund, uh, first-time fund for, for Whitestone, as you know, but combination of two teams and Morgan Thayer and ATV that have been around for for a while. And, you know, the the, the goal, um, you know, within the new fund was, was to largely continue to do what has made us successful before and fund big breakthrough ideas, um, you know, primarily early stage ideas, but also look for the select optimistic or late stage deal um, that we could do. And so, you know, when we looked at Ireland in particular, we felt like we'd, um, we'd be in a unique position here to do, um, you know, a few things. One, uh, to incubate new companies and start new companies like what we're doing with Fire One. Um, two, you know, look at, at local companies, which I think has been, um, you know, definitely uh, lived up to what we hope. There is uh, a strong local base here, but there's also a number of opportunities in Europe bro more broadly that are, um, I think, on our radar now, which, which probably wouldn't have been before. Um, and, and I think finding, we're finding value there, which is particularly important uh, on the biotech side of the, the portfolio these days. And then I'd say the third thing we're, we're actively doing is trying to, um, you know, work with our existing portfolio to either relocate operations um, here, you know, or help them establish European offices. Um, and we have a number of ongoing uh, efforts right now with the, within the existing portfolio of roughly 40 companies across Morgan Thaler and ATV that we're still managing um, that are, that are um, pursuing that. So, those are those are some of the things that we're actively doing, and I'd say, you know, although we're still relatively early in this effort, it, it feels like we're um, we're we're, uh, we're hopeful on and executing on, on all three of those things. 
The first investment you made is, has been well publicized. Uh, the, the Fire One uh, effort with uh, Covidian and, and with the folks at the Foundry uh, in, in NEA. Uh, how is that? Uh, how has that developed? Any news in that? Yeah. So it's 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 been going well, as you know, and, and we'll recall the the effort was really to to um, uh, work with the Foundry, who, who's a group we've obviously had a lot of success with, with RDN, Eval, Cabochon, and, and others, and then, um, you know, essentially incubate the company and, and uh, set it up in Ireland. And, and meanwhile, you know, working with Covidian originally and now Medtronic to, to develop a project that would be right up their, their alley um, and, and, and hopefully something that they would, would want to acquire down the road, and so that's that's been what we've been doing. Obviously, the Covidian Medtronic merger was not uh, part of the part of the plan. We didn't necessarily see that coming, so that that has caused, I think, us to, to make sure that we're um, you know bringing the the team at Medtronic up to speed on the project and, and the model at Fire One. Um, but I think you know we're we're now through that, and we're. Um, we're fortunate that, that we have, I think, a good group of both investors and um, at Medtronic folks that are supportive of, of this effort. So it's uh, it's been going well. And, and are you uh, have you made an, any other investments uh, in Ireland? Yeah, we just did. We haven't announced it yet, but we did make an investment in a in a biotech company that is um, you know brand new. Um, uh, startup that we're, we spun out of um, a, a, an American university and in the process of incorporating it and, and establishing it here in, in Ireland. Um, it's, it's an exciting space, and I'd, I'd love to tell you more about the team and the, the space, but we're uh, keeping it stealth for now. So when we get to the point of talking, then uh, I'll, I'll be sure to let you know. Hmm. It's a it's a biotech. I, I, I guess they think medtech when I think Ireland. Is there is the infrastructure there for for supporting startup biotechs as well? Yeah, you know it's it, it's interesting. I, you know I think we um, we were more focused on the medtech opportunities when we when we set down this path, but we've been I think pleasantly surprised at at the local biotech um, landscape. It's certainly not you know as as robust as is what we see uh, back in California or you know Boston in the Cambridge area but there is you know a small group of, of people and, and companies here that have um, uh, you know that are that are working on on new therapeutics um, such as heart metabolics Upsana, and, and others that are local and and you know through that I think we've um, you know, had growing confidence that, that we could uh, we could do something here on the biotech side. So that's that's the effort, and and I think you know it, there are a lot of similarities in, in biotech here. There is in devices in terms of the um, you know the, the manufacturing and and uh, early talent base. You know, I think there is folks here that can um, you know add to a startup in its early phases and. and you know, hopefully, um, build something something here on the biotech side as well. And what is the how, how have you been uh, managing uh, working with the firm that's in uh, that's in California? Your your partners are uh, I think are they you're still in in Menlo Park? I mean, I'm I'm here. It's nine thirty where I am right now. You're finishing up your Thursday. It's it's three thirty. Uh, everyone's just 
getting up over there and probably just beginning their first conference call at uh, 6.30 in the morning. Uh, has it been a challenge, sort of co- coordinating schedules and uh, working uh, from afar? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, it, you know, that it's probably been the part I underestimated a little. Uh, it is, you know, it, it, it is required. It, it, when you're working in Europe and have connections in the U.S., I think you end up working um, two jobs in, in some ways. Hmm. Um, you know, the eight-hour Delta versus California just naturally requires – uh, the day to start here at, at four, but you know, it's been, it's been working. I think we've had some of the guys in California, um, you know, they've had to sacrifice by starting early and I've probably had to sacrifice by, um, you know, staying up a little later, particularly on, on Mondays for partner meetings to, to make it work. And I've been trying to, you know, push my happy hour back until at least the partner meeting wraps up. So <laughs> there's sacrifices all around, but, um, you know, it's it's worked. It's it's worked so far. I think the time zone um, change with Boston and, and getting back to Boston regularly has, has really not been that difficult. Because when you think about it, you know, flying back to Boston from Dublin is just about the same as is flying out from uh, the Bay Area to Boston. So that part of it, um, you know, it hasn't hasn't been too bad. How often have you had to come back? It's been pretty regularly. You know, I, I'm on seven boards at this point um we have a couple that are based here so that certainly helps but still actively involved with the portfolio back back in the u.s so you know it's probably i'd say once every couple months um you know give or take you know we this is annual meeting season so it's back for both the firm's annual meetings um but it's good. I mean, I think that's just part of, of being uh, in an outpost, so to speak. It, it's it, it's important to get back and see everybody and reconnect. So I do try to get on the plane pretty often. And then I've had we've had Mike and Hank and a number of the team make a, a trip over here as well. So that's that's also good. Right, worst worst places to go. That's for sure. That's for sure. Final question. That is for sure. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> how do you see this playing out? Over the next five years, uh, are we going to continue to see the pendulum swing to that side of the Atlantic for medtech innovation? Or as you alluded to earlier, you know, things are beginning to improve here in the U.S. The FDA seems to be getting more in line with industry. Uh, the device tax you know, could be on the way out. There seem to be some adjustments in the favor of, of medtech. Do you, but do you see things swinging back or is this sort of sort of an irreversible move toward not only Europe, but places outside the U S yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I, I, you know, I certainly, I don't have a crystal ball either, but I do think, um, that, that the, the trend towards Europe and, and, uh, you know, U S broadly is, is here to stay. I think, uh, historically, in devices, we've been a very U.S.-focused industry, and, and for a lot of good reasons. But I think many of those reasons are, are changing. There's there's more capital now offshore, you know, pricing and and approval um, processes outside the U.S. I think um, are improving and and making it easier and, and making it easier to access places that you you wouldn't have probably thought about five or 10 years ago. So I, 
I think we're going to see more of that. I think whether it's Europe and, and Ireland or, you know, Asia, um, you know, I, I think across the globe we're going to see more syndicates from many different places, companies that have operations across the globe, firms with offices across the globe. I think that there's there's going to be more more of that. And I, I, I do think we've come off a pretty nasty time in devices, um, but I, I – I think if you look over the last 12 months, there's there are real reasons to be hopeful. I I think M&A has has been relatively strong. The IPO window has been great, and you're seeing companies like Qualcomm and Nevro and others get out and be very successful. Um, and and yet there's there's still not much capital, and and I so it, it may take uh, you know another year or two, or who knows, for the recovery to fully kick in. But I do. I do believe it's um, on the way up. Well, I certainly hope you're right. And I certainly hope to visit you out there in uh, Ireland uh, sometime soon. It's always a treat to go out that way. Thanks for taking the time yeah, today. Yeah, make it happen. It'd be good, to, be good to have a pint over here, and we'd love to, to see you. Absolutely. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Excellent. Well, go, go start your happy hour. <laughs> Still a little early for that. I think <laughs> I can start at 2.30. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thanks for the time, Jason. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks, Tom. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Jason Lettman, for joining us on the MedTech Talk podcast. It's great to hear directly from someone who's finding MedTech success in Ireland. It's an area of great interest uh, for many in the MedTech industry. And thank you all for joining us today for this tale of MedTech innovation. Please join us for our next MedTech Talk podcast. We'll be visiting with another leader of our industry. And of course, go to medtechconference.com for more podcasts and for more information about the MedTech industry. This is Tom Salemi, your host. Thanks again for tuning in.